Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. How are you today, Zach? I'm all right. And that's going to be the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Again, as a reminder, next weekend uh, is Retro World Expo. So if you are at Retro World Expo and you see me, come and say hi. I do have a panel at Retro World Expo next weekend. It's at uh, 4 p.m. on Sunday, meaning it is the very last event of the day. Oh, of the show. The floor closes at five, meaning my panel is going to be not well attended. (laughs) (laughs) Or very attended. Why did you get that slot? I don't know. I think it was just random. Anyway, Seth. What have you been recently playing? Well, uh, Beyond Baldur's Gate, which is going to be my recently played for the rest of eternity, I've been recently been playing uh, Blockbuster Incorporated, which is being developed by Super Sly Fox and is going to be released possibly sometime this year. It's an early access and the release date says 2023. So I put that as I played the demo of it and the demo seems mostly finished. Nice. The demo, it just lets you play from like January through December through the game, but it's Essentially a movie simulator game uh, where you run your own movie studios and make movies, kind of like the movies, which was a game that I really liked. And Zach can attest to this. I try to play all the games that say that they're like the movies because I really like the movies. But that movies game came out from Lionhead and Lionhead doesn't exist anymore. So I've been on the hunt for a game that's like it. Zach bought me a game that was not like it and it was bad, which was not Blockbuster Inc. But Blockbuster Inc. is coming out and it seems pretty good. Have you ever played? game dev tycoon yes i have so it's like if you took game dev tycoon and you took the original movies game and you mashed them together and that's the kind of game it is that's clever you make the movies in a very similar way that you make the games in game dev tycoon and like you get the money the same way there is a like a cost and then whether or not you could make a profit i think it's cool is that unlike game dev tycoon it does all your sales daily instead of like all at once so you see your sales for the day and then at the end of the day and the start of the new day you get the sales for the next day and you continue to make sales off of movies but obviously they have like shorter sales time than a video game does in game dev tycoon but it's very cool i think maybe just in the demo or something you only have the genre of vampire and you only have the movies of either action or romance so there's like a part where you have to pick the set and then you have to pick whether it's a stunt set or a regular set and you have to design your set so you have to put a bunch of stuff in there and then and you have to actually direct the movie and go in and pick how the camera's shooting, what the actions are, what the costumes are. I don't know how much plays into the reviews based on it or if it's just because there is a shot quality at the end as well where you have to do reshoots. And I don't know if it's just the shot quality that plays into the reviews or if it's actually going through and directing every scene because I made some bombers. Like they were just stinkers. <laughs> I had my first movie I did was The Death of uh the death of the pizza deliverer kind of like death of the salesman but if yeah, in case yeah. he was a, a pizza deliverer instead of a salesman oh i thought you're going for like a hercule poirot story no 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 i'm going for a death of a salesman story got it the great american play except replace all the characters in death of a salesman vampires oh then make it a two scene movie where there is no action and the camera stays stock still and the people don't move around nice and that is death of a pizza deliverer that reminds me when i was in high school i started writing a script 
for a Death of a Salesman sequel called Night of the Living Salesman, where uh, Willie Loman comes back from the dead as a zombie. That could be like the prequel to Death of a Pizza Man. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Willie Loman, instead of coming back as a a zombie, he can come back as a vampire. Even better. And then he can order a pizza and the pizza deliverer could die. There we go. We got it. We got this. Boom. We got this whole story right here. Yeah. And the next one after that was Dangerous Giraffe, which was a uh, action vampire movie. (laughs) And had nothing to do with giraffes since the scenes were involved. There was a stand. I had two sets. I had my regular set, which kind of looked like a crypt, but I did equip the crypt with everything. So it had two cameras, multiple sound mics. It had fire, uh, fog, and rain. And then it had the stunt stage, which was equipped with like four coffins, two giant columns, and you could do like sword fighting in it. All the cool special effects like fire, which could be cool for sword fighting, not on that stage. I put it on the stage where you do the dialogue because nothing says dialogue better than fire. So in the Dangerous Giraffe, a action movie, uh, the first three scenes were them talking and I figured out how to direct. So the camera would pan slowly to the talking character. The first scene, the whole place was raining. Then the second scene, there was fog. And then the third scene, there was fire. But they were just talking and one of them, I think they were yelling. They were dressed like vampires and the camera panned back and forth over their faces. Then stunt sword fight. And they were in proper costumes the entire time. Reviews came out. It bombed. It happens. I still made money on each of the, the um, each of the movies. They were all profitable, so made a couple hundred thousand bucks. So it just goes to show you, you know, anyone can anyone can do it according to that game. Yeah. So that's um, Blockbuster Inc. Uh, looks like a fun type of game that's coming out soonish and still in early access. Zach, what have you been recently been playing? Seth, recently I've been playing Rise of Nations, which is a real time strategy game created by Big Huge Games and published by Microsoft Game Studios in two thousand. You've been on a uh, RTS kick. We also recently played StarCraft against each other. We did. Where uh, we well, we played out. with each other. We played with each other against other computers, and uh, we lost. Yeah, we got our butts handed to us. Yes, a, we thought we were doing good. Platter. We did think we were doing good. <laughs> and then we got our butts slammed. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Rise of Nations is definitely a game I talked about before. It's uh, one of my favorite real-time strategy games. It's basically a mix of Civilization with Age of Empires and uh, throw in a little bit of the ability to build stealth bombers. Uh, The reason it reminds me of Civilization is because the game has a heavy use of territories. So most of the gameplay is done through a standard real-time strategy action. You know, you have your civilians, you build mines and uh, wood chopping areas and farms and stuff but instead of a town center you build a city and this city expands your borders and in order to do certain things you need to build more cities so eventually you have this like massive control of the map because you have to build cities a certain distance from your first city so a good chunk of the game involves building these cities and maintaining territories and there's actually ways to win a game by having complete control over a certain amount of land versus just wiping out your enemy so your enemy could still be alive but you essentially just own all the land around them so you know they uh no longer are in control if you do lose a city you will lose the borders and the 
enemy will gain more territory and vice versa because you can take over cities that you defeat um when you attack a city it doesn't get destroyed like it would if you're destroying like a town hall in warcraft instead the city gets raised and what that means is it's pretty much marked at zero percent health and after a certain amount of time has lapsed that city falls into your control and then you can control of all the buildings that were built in that city's territory um so you can like exponentially increase the size of your your army and stuff there's also a special campaign type that i've particularly have been playing called conquer the world where you have to as the name implies conquer the world oh nice i started my newest game as playing as the lakota and i'm currently taking over most of canada and i probably will have to go to war with the iroquois soon because they are in a chunk of canada that i want uh, i've been able to claim lands that were unoccupied but now there are only lands that are occupied and in order to progress i must go to war what is fun though is in rise of nations you can start a game from like your ancient civilization age you know you'll you'll have your farmers you'll have your you know swordsmen and your archers and stuff but eventually you can increase your tech tree to eventually being able to build stealth bombers and nuclear silos and uh you can start campaigns either from the very beginning like absolute uh beginning of the tech tree or you could do like mid-tier world war ii era up to like cold war era tech tree it's totally up to you when i was playing online with some friends once we were doing from like ancient era to modern era and a bunch of my friends were still stuck in the medieval era and i had nuclear subs and i was positioning them all around the islands that they were located on and just every now and then i would just launch a nuke at them <laughs> and wipe out their t like town and then they would like rebuild and then just repeat the process yeah it's just it's a fun game in terms of the combat and uh just the way the game plays also a lot of it is automated which is very nice um when you construct workers they will automatically go to an area that has uh no workers assigned to it so each wood area you build or like mine you build um has a maximum number of workers that can work there and if there are slots open and you create a worker or the worker finishes his job building something he will automatically go to the area where there is uh, a missing person and he'll get to work and it's a way that is easily able to make sure you don't have idle people and if you do need some idle workers you can just obviously build some more and stuff nice yeah i don't I also think you you could do that uh, the dispergent tech tree in in the civilization series. I always develop like nuclear weapons, and then all of my in in the Civ series, all of the competitors will say like, "Hey, I don't like that you have nuclear weapons. We think that you should not proliferate your nuclear weapons." And I always say, "Okay," and then I nuke them. Uh, it's kind of like that, except the gameplay is more real-time strategy-based. So it's right, more like right. Warcraft, but with nuclear subs. Right. And, like, you can build bombers and stuff like that. And So the nukes actually destroy buildings. Yes. Unlike in Civ, just destroys half a population. At least in the Civ 4, whatever, what I was playing, it would do, like, half a population. And then if you nuke them, you do half a population again. And then you just, you can never completely eradicate them with nukes, but you can keep throwing them at them. Yeah, yeah. It's It's a very interesting game but definitely worth checking out if you like real-time strategy well today is going to be a, a day we're not talking about a real-time strategy game we're talking about a game that we i don't even know if we've ever alluded to and that game is gauntlet seth do you have any memories of gauntlet i have memories of gauntlet legends not mm, gauntlet me too 
My memories of Gauntlet Legends is that there was an arcade cabinet with Gauntlet Legends, and I would play it regularly. And there was one in the mall that we used to go to. It was when arcades were starting to fail. And in that arcade, they had Gauntlet Legends. And I played that with my friends, and we were very obnoxious. Because in that game, there would be characters, there's like a red wizard. And whenever he needs food, he says, Wizard needs food badly. But uh, I would scream, Red Wizard needs food badly when playing the game when I needed food. In real life, I would scream it. And uh, yeah, so it was fun. But yeah, and then we played it on the Xbox. I played that a lot with uh, one of my buddies. We played a lot of Golden Legends. It's fun. It was a really enjoyable cooperative experience. It's just a blast. My memories are playing Gauntlet Legends on the N64, which we never owned, but we rented a few times. I assume because Seth played it at the arcade, saw it at the rental store, and was like, hey, I know that game. And I remember playing it with my brother uh and uh, having a good time playing as either the wizard or like some i think i played as the wizard who like launches um like energy balls but yeah it was just it's just a great game gauntlet legends and i've definitely played the original gauntlet on the nes i don't think i've ever played the arcade gauntlet but i remember seeing one at retro world expo and i think people were always around it you know it's a very popular game now the original gauntlet was designed by ed log ed was a game developer at atari incorporated who got his start in game design at atari back in the 1970s the first game that he worked on was an arcade game called dirt bike which was never released he then went on to help develop the game asteroids along with lyle reigns asteroids without a doubt was a smash hit atari ended up selling 47,840 upright arcade units and 8,725 cocktail cabinet units. Asteroids alone earned Atari an estimated 150 million in sales, and arcade operators would earn around $500 million from coins deposited into the system. People really liked Asteroids. The first thing Edlog does, right? The first thing that he does that gets released is Asteroids. Major, major hit. And his next few games were also pretty popular. Uh, he did an Atari 2600 game called Othello, which was basically just a version of the game Reversi. He also made a couple more arcade games, such as Super Breakout, centipede and millipede ed was really making a name for himself and he soon began work on a new project that was inspired by his son's interest in dungeon and dragons and that game would become gauntlet now beyond dungeon and dragons gauntlet was heavily inspired by the 1983 atari 8-bit game dandy dandy was a dungeon crawl maze game designed by john howard palevich and joel gluck dandy's name derived from the abbreviation for dungeon and dragons D&D. And the game is set in an overhead view within a sprawling dungeon. Players are armed with a bow and arrow, and you have to fight off various enemies who are displayed as smiley faces. Ed basically took the core element of Dandy and began to incorporate them into his game, which he called Dungeons. The team, led by Ed Log and Roger Ziegler, worked on the game for a period of about two years, starting in 1983 and ending in 1985. However, by 1985, Dungeons was no longer a name they could legally use, so the team named the game 
gauntlet. It is fascinating that since even back to the Dandy, which was uh, released back in 1983, and there are games released before that, just say early 80s, maybe even late 70s, all based on Dungeons and Dragons. There was a game just released this year, also based on Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's kind of cool that Dungeons and Dragons had such an impact on video games while being so taboo for so long that it was just like oh yeah D&D is the satanic panic and all that but let's make a pile of games based on it <laughs> including Dandy and Gauntlet and all those games which is I just think it's kind of cool the actual board used for Gauntlet was incredibly complex being the first Atari game to feature a voice synthesizer chip the chip used a TMS 5-2200C which is a very similar chip that would be eventually used in the Speak and Spell toy the voice lines in the game were provided by Ernie Fossilis a filmmaker who made the very first Star Wars parody in 1978 called Hardware Wars. Hardware Wars. A spectacle light years ahead of its time. Uh, his lines consisted of phrases like Try this level now. These lines were useful in reminding the player important elements of the game's rules. Other lines like Wizard is about to die. And Your life force is running out were useful to guide the players during battle. Gauntwood would go on to release in 1985 in a massive arcade cabinet. There is space for four players with four different eight-way joysticks and a total of eight buttons, two per player, uh, which is immense. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the, the X-Men six-person arcade cabinet would probably be a little bit bigger or about the same size. Yeah, definitely. I think the X-Men is bigger because it also had the two screens. Gauntlet only had the one screen. But for 1985, this was a big cabinet. Right. Oh, for sure. The game would be quickly ported to a variety of uh, systems, including MS-DOS, Apple II, Macintosh, MSX, the NES, uh, Apple II GS, the Master System, the Atari ST, Commodore 64, the Atari 8-bit computer, uh, Amstrad CPC, and the ZX Spectrum. The NES version of the game is notable because it was uh, unlicensed and released through Atari's Tengen brand. A controversy occurred sometime after the release of the NES port of the game. Ed Log, who had worked on the original arcade version, had been credited as the creator of the game, though John Pelvin the creator of Dandy was not a fan of this. He threatened to sue Atari on the basis that the game was inspired by his game Dandy. John, however, did not sue Atari, and the conflict would be settled after Atari supposedly awarded John with a Gauntlet arcade machine. Log's name would be removed from the credits of the Gauntlet game sometime after 1986, and as of 2007, he claimed no involvement with the development of the NES version. Dandy would also be reworked by Atari as the game Dark Chambers in 1988, which was then released for the Atari 2600, the 7800, and the 8-bit computers by Atari. I just think it's fun that uh, he was like, I'm going to sue you guys. And they're like, what if we gave you a arcade cabinet? A big arcade cabinet. And he was like, I'm not going to sue you guys. <laughs> what if we give you an arcade cabinet where we take Log's name off the credits? From what I understood, the decision to remove Log's name was also was on Log, too. He... Yeah. 
he had wanted his name off the project around that time mostly because he I mean he did base the game off a of dandy and i think he recognized that and they i wouldn't be surprised if there was some concern at atari about crediting people because of what happened with activision for those who don't know activision was founded by atari employees who did not get credited for their games so they left atari and they founded their own company that is still around today in some form they probably just didn't want a repeat of activision they were probably being a little extra careful with name credits at that point though atari does love dnd they, they would, really do. They they would go on to be one of the publishers for like Neverwinter Nights. Now Gauntlet itself is set in a series of mazes in a top-down view. Your goal is to explore the maze and find an object that designates the exit. There are four playable characters: Thor the Warrior, Merlin the Wizard, Thera the Valkyrie, and Questor the Elf. Each character has various stats based on their class. The warrior is the strongest, the wizard has powerful magic, the Valkyrie has the best armor, and the elf is the fastest. When playing in a four-player version of the game, the characters are assigned via control panel. A two-player version of the game allows the player to select their own character just prior to starting the game, or in the middle of the game if you joined while a game was in session. In the game, you fight off a variety of, of monsters, demons, ghosts, thieves, etc. There are no bosses in the game, but you do encounter Death, who can only be defeated by using a magic potion. And if you don't have the potion, Death will drain a certain amount of health and then vanish. And let me tell you, Death in Gauntlet Legends... It's terrifying. You'll just be like walking around and suddenly this cloaked figure just like sneaks up behind you and then just starts leeching off your health. Absolutely obnoxious. I imagine in the original Gauntlet probably was a little less scary, but in Gauntlet Legends it was terrifying for little old Zack. Gauntlet would go on to be a success on release with one arcade owner in California reporting sales up to $15,000 in the first 16 weeks of release, which is all through quarters, and a Canadian operator reporting 4500 in just nine days, all in quarters. Well, isn't the Canadian, isn't that a, isn't that a loo? No, the loonies and the toonies are, are the dollar and two dollar coins, so they do call their quarters quarters. Uh, the game would consistently hold the top spot in various ranking magazines, only to be displaced by Sega's Hang On in March of 19. 1986. Atari reported that they sold around 7,848 game cabinets for Gauntlet. So if you look at, let's just say 5,000, if they sold 7,848 game cabinets, and say on average they did $5,000 in a week, they were all together pushing somewhere around the lines of $39 million altogether in a week for collective, for all the arcade owners. In Japan, the game also was successful, being listed as the second most popular arcade game by Game Machine Magazine, with the first one being Space Harrier. In the UK, the home version sold more than 200,000 copies in 1987, and picking up another 100,000 by the next year in 1988-1988. In rankings, the game consistently performed well with Dragon giving it 4 stars, Crash giving it 92%, Amstrad Action rating the CPC version with a 93%, and Your Sinclair giving the Spectrum version a 9 out of 10. Now, in terms of Gauntlet's legacy, it's definitely notable. One interesting about its legacy is that there was an expansion pack that was released for the computer ports of the game featuring 512 new levels. Jeez. I know. That's a lot. I don't know if I can handle 512 new levels. Want to know the best part? What? They were all made by people who entered them for a contest. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know what would be, you know be funny is if the contest was like, 
design a dungeon and maybe your dungeon will be featured in the next uh expansion pack and only 512 people submitted and they're like let's make them all that might have happened so what ended up happening was in the pc release of gauntlet in the uk in the manual there was a contest listed that said make your own map for gauntlet and submit it and they ran a contest on that and there were 10 grand prize winners those 10 grand prize winners weren't the ones who got their map in the game i'm pretty sure everyone got their map in the game the grand prize winners won a t-shirt and a copy of the expansion pack that's a pretty good contest it's pretty low 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 effort high reward um so this expansion pack was called gauntlet the deeper dungeons and was developed by gremlin graphics and released by us gold in the uk and europe and mindscape in the united states beyond all the other ports that we covered it's also the game was also included as part of midway's greatest hits on the ps1 and various sequels have also been released over the years Gauntlet 2 was released in 1986 for arcade and various home computers and consoles. Gauntlet the Third Encounter, released for the Atari Lynx exclusively in 1990. Gauntlet 3, released for various computers in 1991. And Gauntlet 4, released for the Sega Genesis in 1993 the series did undergo a reboot as we discussed in 1998 with the release of gauntlet legends which was which was released for the arcade the n64 the playstation and the dreamcast by atari games and midway games an expansion to gauntlet legends was released in 1999 uh, called gauntlet dark legacy this was ported to playstation 2 gamecube xbox and the Game Boy advance which that doesn't sound like a port to me that just sounds like they made a game and called it gauntlet dark legacy it's like a demake yeah and then a, a third follow-up called gauntlet seven sorrows was released in 2005 for playstation 2 and xbox and then in 2014 the series was rebooted once again just as gauntlet which was released in 2014 by arrowhead games this version was released on pc but then later ported to the ps4 and re-released on the pc in 2015 um i haven't played any of the other gauntlet like i haven't played dark legacy or seven sorrows i do want to try dark legacy because i think it's like the sequel to gauntlet legends i'm thinking i actually might have played dark legacy if it came might have had an arcade cabinet as well yeah it was in the arcade for a bit i would have been playing dark legacy probably in probably between 2000 and two and 2005 nice yeah it's probably like 04 or something when i was playing it which would put it right around the time of dark legacy being relatively new that makes sense now uh that is our gauntlet episode so gauntlet definitely i think helped inspire um the type of game that we would see later in diablo I mean, Diablo has kind of a, a gauntlet vibe to it, I think, um, especially the kind of sprawling dungeons and the, the way the enemies come at you and the you know fact that you have to fight them off sometimes alone or yeah i think gauntlet was a bit more co-op friendly it was a bit more of a game that you would play with your friends and have a good time where diablo feels like a game that you play alone and feel sad because you keep getting killed by the butcher now to get into our retro 
Rewind. Seth had me play Shadow Man for the N64. The game was developed by Acclaim and released in 1999 for the N64, Windows, PlayStation, and Dreamcast. I played the N64 version, but apparently there is a remastered version on Steam by Night Dive Studios. The game is based on the comic series by Valiant of the same name. You play as Michael Leroy, aka the Shadow Man, who is part of a lineage of voodoo warriors. And you do what you do. You have to fight like the the first stage I was in you have to like fight dogs so you 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 walk through the first stage right you're completely defenseless you have no weapons or anything and you go through this really creepy churchyard and there are tons of dogs around you who just bark at you and then lie lie down and I was like oh that's nice they're dogs you then walk into the the church and you meet this woman who's like ah Michael and she says something to you and then she gives you a gun and then when you leave all the dogs attack you and you have to fight them and I was like why were the dogs attacking me before why do they hate me now? Is it because I have the gun? The dogs hated me then, so then I had to fight them. Beyond that, it's this very creepy, almost Lovecraftian game, uh, which is kind of unique for an N64 game. Uh, I was like, when I was playing it, I was like, this game feels more like a uh, later released like indie horror game on itch.io versus a mainline N64 game. Um, so it was a good time. I actually really enjoyed it. If you like creepy action games, definitely give it a shot. I think it was fun. So yeah, that's Shadow Man for the N64. Next week, Seth, I want you to play a game based on a comic. That game is Spudu for the Sega Mega Drive. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Zach had me play SWAT Cats, The Radical Squadron, and Cats is spelled with a K because that's cool. And it's a side-scrolling action platformer, which was developed by AIM, which was not the messaging service, but was the uh, development company, and published by Hudson Soft for the SNES. It was based on the cartoon SWAT Cats, The Radical Squadron, with Cats spelled as a K because that's cool, Um, which is a cartoon that I actually never watched. However, the game was released back in 1995, and I think I would have enjoyed the cartoon cartoon that was also released back in 1995 and i may have enjoyed the game as a child however i did not really enjoy the game as an adult the jumping was rather abrupt you jump up and then you immediately fall down uh there was it wasn't it was very it was not a slow jump uh you also had like a jetpack power that could fly which was kind of cool the part that bothered me was the gun shot a bullet that went like six pixels in front of you and that was it so like there would be bad guys and you could shoot them and your shots would do nothing apparently there's two different cats that you could play as you could either play as razor or t-bone and i chose poorly because the other one was very strong and could beat things up i played the guy who could run away who was fast anyway if you're nostalgic for the show swat cats uh i would say check it out If you're not nostalgic for the show, you could probably pass because it's kind of a mediocre mascot platformer. Zach, next week you can play Lego Rock Raiders for whatever system you find it on. I think it's just PC. PC and PS1. Ooh, yeah. And uh, maybe even N64. Maybe even. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check. But in any case, that will do it for today's episode. If you have any memories of playing Gauntlet or if you happen to be walking in a mall in 2004 and you heard Seth yell something out loud very loudly and you wondered for the rest of your life who was that strange boy and why was he yelling those words uh send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com you can also reach out to us via our website classicgamingbrothers.com we are available on instagram classic gaming brothers facebook classic gaming brothers twitch classic gaming brothers and now we are on blue sky and x 
as CG Brothers Pod. Be sure to follow us on all the various podcasting applications out there, be it iHeartRadio or Podbean or uh, iTunes. And with that, Seth, is there anything you want to contribute? Don't play games like my brother. Don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. right.